Thank you for choosing this podcast from New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church of East Toledo, April 5th, 2020. Pastor Dan is going to talk to us about some adjustments that we need to make. Um, of course, we're attempting to maintain live worship, and we've been instructing our members to stay home unless it is specifically what God wants them to do. And also, we're enacting a number of protocols to try to keep from spreading the virus to one another, including spacing out and constant uh, sanitizing and so on. So, without further ado, please worship with us today and reach new heights in Jesus. Social distancing for those of you who know, we can walk six feet apart. It'll make us look like there's more of us. So that'll be good. It'll be great. It'll be the side effect advantage of that. So we'll come and we'll walk. You can ride it in your cars and parallel. Uh, you probably will annoy other traffic, but you can get away with that for that one instance. And we'll come and we'll, we'll march the cross in honor of Jesus. It is God that can handle the problems of the community, the problems of the neighborhood, the problems of our church, problems of our families, and the problems of the world. Um, and then pursuing for that, so when we get to our inspirational moment time today, we will uh, spend time in prayer for the world uh, situation, not the world that is uh, anti-Christ, the world that is God, but the, the world, all the people of the world, the earth, and the pandemic, and the situation that's in people's hearts and minds. So that will be the focus of our, our little break in there today. And so I'm talking to those people online, it, obviously you cannot pray verbally, but you can type in a prayer at that time. Okay, so that will be a blessing to the others who are there. You can send a prayer, and then we'll look at those uh, later today. Okay, so we're going to pray briefly. Those are the only really announcements that we have. 
Um, and uh, we did send out a text this morning reminding people only to be here if the Lord really wants you to be here. Did you have something? We are canceling the breakfast for Easter Sunday, but still having service. Yes, yeah, so there's no breakfast on Easter Sunday. No fellowship uh, food to eat. <laughs> that kind of thing. So, But we will have our Easter service, and we'll follow the same pattern that we've been doing. Uh, keeping the building sanitized and the spaces and that kind of thing. And, and only being here is what the Lord would really have us to do. And that's the pattern. Okay? So let's pray together briefly and ask God to bless our service and, uh, and so that we can draw close to him and him, he draw close to us. And then we'll get back to prayer at the inspirational moment. Dan? Yes, sir. I got a really close friend, uh, Bruce Woods is his name. And uh, he's in the St. Anne's right now in the ICU. He's got a ventilator because he tested positive for COVID and he's in really bad shape. So he could use a lot of prayer right now. All right. He's over 60. Yeah. I got a co-worker that got tested positive for COVID and he's, I think he's at um, Bay Park and he's not doing well either. Yeah. Praise the, my dad had the triple bypass surgery. He is good to go. I mean, he, he, uh, he, um, he was back, actually, he was like, like he's supposed to go to ICU for care. Now he's already back in his hospital bed. They might release him by this week. He's in condition like he probably never been before. He had found out that he had uh, three arteries blocked. And um, mm-hmm. I'm thankful that, you know, he never checked it, but by God's mercy, like, just because of how things were dealing with, he was able to get there. And it was a complete success. So my dad's doing That's good. Wonderful. And uh, Sharon, we don't know about her yet, uh, but I don't think she has COVID, but she's just resting now, you know, so... Other than that, um, you know, God is praised anyway, but just a uh, praise. So. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. That's good stuff. All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we simply come before you now just desiring to honor you and to give you all glory. Uh, I suppose we couldn't hold it back if we wanted to, but we want to be practical today, Lord. We want to be intentional to honor you and give you glory. We want to say, you alone are God. We want to recognize that we have lived our lives at times where we didn't live like that, where you alone are God. We, we thought we were God, or we thought money was God, or we were distracted by the things of the world, or, um, Lord, things that we wanted. And we just ask you, Lord, to forgive us of those failures, and we're grateful that that forgiveness is available to us through Jesus, your Son, such a high price paid. Father, we ask you to take over this service time, here and in every home, where our hearts are turning towards you this morning, not just in the New Heights building, not just the New Heights folks that are tuning in on uh, Facebook Live right now, Lord, but in every church that's your people, everywhere that your people are, in every home, in every building, in every parking lot, Lord, just take over the worship and lead us to truly honor you. Yes. And then, Lord, when the time comes, the word, the lesson, to learn, to grow, you excel in our hearts. You help us reach the night in Jesus today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
come to that moment in time where normally we share how the Lord's been speaking to us this last week, but today we're going to take some time to intentionally prayer, uh, be prayer warriors, I can say, or pray for that which is going on in our world. And so the way I thought we would do this is we'll open it up. We have, we do have enough folks here who uh, love the Lord and love to pray, and so I'm going to ask uh, Brother Tony, I didn't tell him I was going to do this exactly, but I'm going to give him a second warning now. Brother Tony, would you open us in prayer? And then I'll close this in prayer, and we'll let anybody pray in between who would like to pray. And we pray for whatever. We definitely want to pray for uh, Rusty and Bruce. We didn't pray for them by name in the opening, but we want to do that. And then um, we'll just uh, ask God to move in the lives, because we don't know uh, uh, the other thousand-plus people that have been uh, dealing with it. And really, I guess it would be kind of all their families. Those are probably 10,000 people in the state of Ohio whose lives have been forever changed. By being impacted by the COVID nineteen disease, and then um, and then of course there's a lot of fear and there's a lot and we just have a lot of things to lift up to the Lord, and so however you feel led, well, I'd let Brother Tony uh, Brisker start us off, and then uh, and we'll anybody that wants to can pray in the middle, and if this takes a few minutes, it's okay. You pray as the Lord leads, okay? And I got already checking online if somebody enters a prayer in online, then we can read that potentially too, so they can they can be joined in with us, okay? All right, Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Thank you, first, for another day you've given us. Lord, we can come together as always as we've been doing. And our numbers are low, but those here, we pray, Lord, for those that are being fearful and staying at home. We understand. We just ask the Lord to be with us here as we. Those that are here, as we worship together, we hear your word. Lord God, don't fully understand how things get to this point. Uh, never, never, never uh, imagined something like this in my lifetime happen. Never thought about doing it. But Lord, you allowed this, and there are many lives affected. consider myself fortunate for some reason because I've been out of town away from people and it's been affected a little bit but I see on the news and sometimes I don't know, really know what to believe or what, what was, I, I, I don't understand fully because it's conflicting stories but Lord, I know this, you allow this to come upon us, many people are affected, many people have died many people are sick and uh, I pray many times for you to intervene where you can put a stop to this. It's, it's affecting closer and closer. It's affecting my family. I have a pregnant daughter. We're very careful. It's a change in lifestyle. It's a change in what we normally do. I've never used hand sanitizer before in my life. The last couple weeks, things are just uh, kind of crazy. And uh, we ask you, Lord, just to be with us, to give us, give us patience, give us courage, give us strength. We ask you, Lord, to be with our world leaders as they uh, give us guidance on what to do. And uh, and we, as American people, are going to do exactly what we want to do anyway. <laughs> That's who we are. But Lord, uh, help us. To take this seriously, uh, help us to, as they say, uh, flatten the curve, 
do what we got to do. But Lord, in, in, in all, all that, help us to honor and serve you, glorify you through all this. No matter what happens, give you glory for what you're doing in each and every one of our lives. Help us, Lord, to affect the world that we have around us. We can't affect people overseas so much. We can't affect people on the side of the city so much, but we can affect the people in our own little world. And help us, Lord, to do that and to bring joy, and even though the encouragement, even though this is a, a crazy time. I just, again, Lord, we just pray for this, that you would intervene somehow, some way, and if nothing else, help us, Lord, to ride out the storm. You say in your word, you will protect us. And I believe that. I have faith in that. Amen. Help us, Lord, just to do the things that we you show us. Help us to still be the people you made us to be, the person you made us to be. Use our talents and gifts, our abilities, to do whatever we can do to help in our situation, our own little world. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I want to thank you for how you've been moving in our country these last few years. And this sometimes can easily look like a situation that we're throwing a monkey around some things, but I do believe it's part of your plan to um, have a purpose for this. And um, so I, I would, I heard a, a Christian brother and teacher of your word, um, headline of a article of his was um, let's not let us waste this coronavirus or are you wasting your coronavirus thing or whatever it was and um, we should take this as an opportunity to find out what we need to do for you what you would have us to do and um, so that your purpose for this can, can be accomplished and then it can move on from there and there is another group out there too that certainly won't waste the coronavirus and those are the enemies of our country, <coughs> enemies of your word, of, of, of the church, and they will use this as an opportunity too to attack us and to try to control us. And um, so we pray that we continue to also work amongst the people that we would stand strong in this. We don't know how we'll come out of this. Maybe small changes and maybe some significant changes. But um, Mostly, we just want to stand firm in you and do what we're supposed to be doing and be careful where we need to be careful and think about those around us and let us not waste any opportunity that might be here for us. Pray in Jesus' name. Father, we praise and thank you for uh, the opportunity to be here today to, to serve you, Lord, together uh, with our, our friends and family here, Lord. I pray, Lord, that uh, you'll keep everyone in this room and everybody watching online safe. Lord, I pray that um, you'll be with uh, Rusty and Bruce both. I pray, Lord, for a, a great healing to come upon them. Uh, Lord, I pray that when it's all said and done, that they would have no other excuse other than to say the healing came from you because it was so miraculous. God, I pray right now for the state of our country. Lord, uh, a, lot of, a lot of crazy things are going on right now, but... We know that you have things well in hand, that you are God, you are the creator, you are uh, our solid foundation. Lord, please help us to stand strong in our faith, help us to stand strong when persecution comes, help us to, to, to persevere through all the trials and tribulations that are going on right now in the world, and uh, take care of us, Lord, like your children, and... Uh, 
help us to learn and grow and uh, be nurtured from you during this time. In Jesus' name. Father God, I'm going to come to you this time. Uh, again, thank you for the day, opportunity to come here. And God, pray, uh, lift up this nation and this pandemic that's going on and the families been affected by this. God, I pray that you're getting a hand upon this nation. <clears throat> now, while those are, some are fearful of staying away, God, we just sing a song saying, Whom shall we fear? For you are, for you are with us. And uh, you'll see us through the storm. And uh, I guess you could say this is a storm. God, if you uh, guide us through this, protect us. And uh, those ain't here, uh, y'all missed. They're missed. And uh, guys, should you be with them as they're, they're here or if they're tuned in online? Uh, again, just be with us through this time. Be with our nation and our leaders and those who are trying to come up with medicine for this. God, I should give them the the knowledge, stay in their hands, and uh, again, just want to thank you that we're still able to come here and do what we do, and uh, do your thing. Mm-hmm. We just want to say thank you, God. Father, just want to thank you for being merciful, God, that allows healing and restoration and redemption. Yes. Father, you are a holy God that allows you to have discipline and us, authority, and your workmanship over us. Yes. Father, we thank you, God, that you have always been God. You have not changed like shifting shadows. James chapter 1 says, Every good and perfect gift has come from above. That does not change, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from, from above. And the Father of heavenly lights, that does not change like shifting shadows. Even I don't know the scriptures as much as you do, God. But, God, that through the Father of heavenly lights, it does not change like shifting shadows. And, Father, we have all these amazing gifts. And, and, and this chrono, God... We can reevaluate our lives, our purpose. God, we, we just get to reevaluate what matters most. And um, God, we thank you, God, that out of all the gifts we have, and Father, it will be still your greatest gift is that you gave your Son, you gave yourself the Son, Jesus the Christ, God. The greatest gift, the, the true bread, the true life, the true love, true hope. True salvation, God, true sanctity that came from Jesus alone. You gave yourself, God, to us. God, for your glory, he died and rose again so that we could have that relationship with you for now and forever. And Father, just out of that, God, we just want to say thank you, God. And we know we take it for every person on this earth. You even said every person be proved to be a liar because we all will take it for granted. But we thank you that you have not. You have not taken the city for granted. You have not taken America for granted. You have not taken the nations for granted. You you have allowed what neither wanted to have, but God, you, you've also allowed God for your mercy. And Father, we thank you that we now see that God's hand of mercy, God, not grace, that God, we have whatever we want, do whatever we want, but the mercy, Father, knowing that God, that we don't owe you anything, God, you have done everything. Even today, you are ever-present. The sun and the rain is on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus, you, you let us know that it, it don't matter if we are yours or not. Everybody suffers. Everyone deals with it. And so, Father, we just thank you right now. God, for those 
that are yours in prayers and intercession. God, we ask, God, that you would encourage them and keep them praying because it is a gift from you. God, the body that wants to evangelize, the body that wants to disciple, the many gifts that you have given the church, God, all around the world. The world is blinded by the hope that we have and the hope that we give to others. And we make no fun about it, God. We understand that there is a blindness. And the church can be a little blind at the same time we know where our hope comes from. And so, Father, we do ask for healing and restoration, God. And, Father, we ask, God, for salvation and sanctification, God. Workmanship, God, that you would do a work on the inside that's greater than what we have on the outside. And, Father, those who cannot be here, God, that we know you are with us, God, to the end of the age. You said, teach us to obey all that we have commanded, and I will be with you to all the end of the age, that you would be with us, God. And so, Father, those who are resting in you, God, those who are steadfast, that you're helping to be steadfast, God, you are with us. So we thank you, God, that you are with us, not on our side, Father. And I feel like I'm preaching, so I'm just going to say real quick, God, it's not, I got nothing to preach, God. You are God alone. No one can do what you do. Our power, our strength, our grace all comes from the living hand of God. But Father, we just want to say thank you, God. We just we say thank you that you hear this prayer and the many prayers. And through your glorious way, God, you will make a way where no one can make a way. For those who are truly Believe that there is no way. God, show them you are the way. We thank you for being the way today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father in heaven, you, you've blessed us and given us the opportunity to reach out to you in prayer. You've been with us. I think the one thing that we have, Lord, that will go beyond our generation is you. We've got children. We'd love to see them come up and go to school and graduate and have families. Love to see them prosper. When we're in our right minds, we we desire them to spread the gospel, to worship you, to serve, to give, to love others. But we can't control really any of that. Sometimes we can't even control our children. But you can. People have faced quote-unquote pandemics, dark hours, terrible tragedy. People have endured mighty persecution. 
historically attempts to just wipe the church out in a region. And you were with the believers through it all. Father, somehow we get a sense that what we do in this day, the way we live, the way we look to you and listen to what you have to say, that it's going to drive future days, the life of the future church, the life of the kingdom on earth for a long time. There would always be a good reason to be silent. When more difficulties come, we believe that a cure for the COVID-19, that treatments, that vaccines, they're all in the offing. You have empowered amazing individuals with incredible intellect. And, and I, was, I was reading an article about how people are coming together from all the research firms all across the world. And and much other research is kind of ground to a halt as people are really just pitting their minds to solve this problem. But the truth is, as great as you've made men, you made us to represent you, not to replace you. Yes. And so often on this earth, it seems like reason, emotion, Passion, desire, would cause us to replace you with something else. I was just reading in the Word this morning, it has nothing to do with the Scripture, Lord, but it really hit my heart hard. When they made that calf to worship it after coming to the mountain, while Moses was up on the mountain, and they made the calf to worship it. Later, when David would tell the tale... I believe it was David, when he would tell the tale, he would say, they traded their glory for the glory of that calf. Not your glory, but their glory. Father, I'm asking you to help your people, the worldwide, everywhere in the world, who are physically ailing, yes, who are in difficulty, who are mourning and lost, yes, who are struggling through this, who are working long hours, who are in essential businesses, who are laid off, who don't have the money that they need, who are concerned about where the next bill is going to get paid, all of it, Lord, help them with all of it, but Lord, help us, those who are looking to you, to represent you the best we can during this time. And we would sure love it if you would move and protect that for us <laughs> so that we'll be able to do it for the rest of our lives and our children will be able to do it in the United States of America for their lives and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. But it's not a stretch to be concerned that if there is a reason to stop doing certain things, that there can be another reason. And if there's a reason to stop doing certain things, then other things can also be stopped. And so, Father, we are praying for what only you can do in your might and your power to protect your people so that we can continue to live through you, through, for, through you and for you, by your strength, during the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Because I'm not done yet. Father, help us. Would you pray, Lord, for uh, Nikki's friend, Daryl, she mentioned, who uh, has COVID. 
and these others who've been mentioned, and those who may get it. Yeah, we pray, Lord, that if there's anybody in this room who might get it, or anybody who's online with us today, or anybody who's part of our family fellowship, or part of our families extended, that might be in the offing of getting it sometime in the near future, that you would stop it in its tracks, and that we would not have to go through it. We would not have to deal with it. We would not wind up sick like that. Father, we'd love to pray that prayer for the entire world. But until you see fit to crush this virus, you know it will remain. Maybe something that people have to deal with ongoing. So Lord, please, crush this virus. Father, as we go to our tithes and offerings time next, we ask you to bless the finances that are committed to your use. And um, though we cannot stop the coronavirus in China, or Italy, or Spain, we can send the gospel. And we have missionaries there who are distantly a part of us, a part of our family, a part of the kingdom of God, folks that we help to fund, to be on the field. And someone has probably, I don't know for sure, but statistically it's probably true, someone has died of the coronavirus who would not know Christ, would not be with you now if it were not for the efforts of the Southern Baptist Church and churches like ours. And so take our cooperative program giving. Take our tithes. Take our offerings. Multiply them. Use them. Spread the gospel and let us represent you in this, well, this way as well. And then, Lord, as you see fit, provide and bless together. As we transition, again, though we've asked you for much, we put it back in your hands. Your will, not our will, be done. Your kingdom come here on this earth. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.
band of sinners we have strayed so far away we cut down people in your name but the sword was never us to swing jesus friend of sinners the truth's become so hard to see the world is on their way to you but they're tripping over me always looking around but never looking up i'm so double-minded a plank i sing with dirty hands and a heart
good stuff, huh? All right, that was good stuff. All right, so we are going to go to almost immediately to the scripture, but you see the title. It's time for us to make some adjustments. Boy, that seems to be what the the state of the world is these days, many adjustments being made. Um, This message is not about the adjustments that the world is making right now. Rather, it is about the adjustments that the text that we're going to look at today is going to ask us to make, I think, by the time we're through. All right, so maybe you'll hoot, maybe you'll holler, say amen with me. Even if you're out there across town, somebody yell really loud so the people next door go, what happened? All right, and uh, it's Luke chapter 23. All right, thank you so much. So I think somebody next to Nikki's apartment in in South Toledo heard brother Tony Tate yelling, thank you, Jesus. There's a very good possibility of that today. We definitely reached further with that today than ever, than we usually do. All right, so it's Luke chapter 23, and we're going to begin reading in 27. Okay, um, I didn't skip old Simon the Cyrene for any particular reason, um, but I think that we, really, we just need to start in 27. So it's Luke 23, 27. And there were following him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mount, mourning and lamenting him. I'm going to stop right there for one second. Just make sure you understand the summary statement. So they're following along after him a great multitude of people, women, mourning and lamenting. They're wailing. Oh, Jesus is being crucified. Oh, how horrible this is. Uh, he's about to die. You know, woe. And they're not really lamenting themselves, even though obviously their situation has really gotten pretty dire. But they're mourning and lamenting him. In between this text and the text we ended with last week, we had the three Roman trials. And we talked about the three Jewish trials last week. And then there was a trial that wasn't really a trial. At the end of the third Roman trial, uh, after Pilate was basically ready to release Jesus because he was innocent, um, and then even, even if he wasn't innocent, to release him and, uh, because they, he tended to do that, one person at the feast, even after that, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And the leaders of the Jews were inciting the mob to do so, and so that was the verdict of that trial. That leads us then to the remainder of the crucifixion narrative, okay? Now, the, all of the Gospels include this, and so you will even notice that Luke does not necessarily include everything that happens as we read it. Um, he went back and interviewed folks, and, he, and he's writing for a point, and then there were those who had the perspective they were there. They re, just recant, recounted what they saw and so on. So the Gospels are not identical in the way they relate the circumstances and the events that happened. Okay, but they all agree that there were following him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. Not exactly in those words necessarily, but that was all true. And that's our starting point for today. 28. But Jesus turning to them said, daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. And so he says, don't cry for me. I'm I'm going to the cross to be crucified, but that's not what you should be weeping about. He says, weep for yourselves and for your children. This also tells us that, that we know that they were not weeping for themselves. It said previously in the first verse, they were lamenting Jesus. And now he says, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves and for your children. 29, for behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. So there's, gonna, there's a time coming at which it'd be better off to never have had children 
Um, we're not there, thank God, but Jesus said there was a time coming when that would be true. And then he actually says in verse 30, Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. And we'll stop there for one second. Now, you may recognize that as a, uh, as a phrase that will later come up in the book of Revelation, when John is on the Isle of Patmos, has the vision about Revelation, um, and God shows him what things will be like in the end times. So Jesus is sort of prophesying about the end times here, and talking about how people will cry out, fall on us, and the hills cover us, and ask God even to bury them under the mountains, rather than repenting and turning to God, they would just cry out to God. Now, it's not that they don't believe in God, because they're crying out to God, obviously, but they, rather than repenting and turning to God, they cry, God, just bury us under the mountains. And Jesus says, it's going to be that bad. There's a day in the future when it's going to be that bad. And I submit to you, in case I don't forget to come back to this, that when there is a day in the future that it's that bad, which probably won't be, we probably won't be here because the church will probably be gone because of the rapture, but it's however it goes down. When there's a day like that that's that bad, we're going to have to decide what adjustments we're going to make. Just like we have to decide today. Okay? 31. If we're gone, obviously we won't have to. If we're here, we will have to decide what adjustments we're going to make. 31. For if they do these things in the green tree, what will happen in the dry? We've been talking about that a little bit in each sermon for the last couple of weeks. That actually is the memory verse for the month of April. So, if you're sitting there and the sermon's getting too boring, memorize verse 31 and you will have memorized the verse for April. I doubt that because this is pretty good stuff. But if it did happen, memorize that. For if they will do these things in the green tree, what will happen in the dry? And we'll come back to kind of a meaning of that and how it fits into the sermon before we're through. 32. And two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place called the Skull, which is Golgotha, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So while he's being crucified, classic, classic verse, classic scripture, powerful statement here. He is praying, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. <clears throat> and they cast lots, dividing up his garments amongst them. And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, notice that word sneering there, he saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine. Notice that word mocked him there. So we've got sneering and mocking, two different words for what was going on. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him. Notice that phrase there. All three of these could be translated a little bit different in your version if you're using a different version of the Bible. I have the New American Standard here, and I used, my, I used the King James uh, when I was doing my notes. And so I know that some of them are translated a little bit differently, but those three terms are notable. This one is hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him. So he rebuked the first guy. So the first thief is... Uh, hurling abuse at Jesus, and the second one rebukes the first one and says, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? So he's basically saying, even though you are suffering the same thing as what Jesus is suffering, same thing that I'm suffering, don't you even fear God now? Even in the midst of the worst moment when you're about literally going to die on a cross here, that's what's about to happen to you. You realize you're dying on a cross here. And even in that moment, do you not fear God? 
And we indeed justly, he says, it's the right thing for us to die on the cross, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. We're getting the punishment that we were judged that we should receive because we did bad things. But this man has done nothing wrong. So he, here's another sort of a trial, if you will, another moment at which a guy is saying, now Jesus is innocent. So he's innocent. You're mocking him. He's innocent. We're not innocent. And he says, and he had said, do you not even fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So that thief on the cross says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Sounds like a prayer, doesn't it? And he said to him, Jesus speaking, truly I say to you, today we shall be, you shall be with me in paradise. So Jesus literally grants him his real request. Now, notice that that's not necessarily what he was asking for. He's talking about the coming of the kingdom of God, when Jesus gets his authority or whatever. And so maybe on earth, right? When Jesus comes back to earth, remember me when that happens, whatever. He, but what Jesus grants him is eternal life in paradise. So he goes, you will be with me in paradise today. That's what he tells him. So he gives him the real prayer of his heart, 44. And it was now about the sixth hour. And darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. So we're talking about roughly noon to three. The sun being obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. A very significant miracle. We're not going to drill down heavily on it right this second, but I just understand this was a four inch thick woven curtain and it ripped from the top to the bottom. It was probably 40 foot tall. You couldn't even get to the top of it without a huge ladder. Nobody's going to rip it from the top to the bottom. It was the, the curtain that separated the holiest of holy places from the places where people were allowed to worship. And so when that happened, it's a miraculous statement by God that now there is entrance into God's presence via my son Jesus, who is dying on the cross. Okay? Thank Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And it was now about six hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, the sun being obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. Again, a recognition of the way Jesus died and the way, remember, Jesus is responding to his situation. Don't miss that. He's praying for others. He's commending his hands into the, into the Spirit of God. He's forgiving sins. That's Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus does? He's thinking of others. He's forgiving sins. He's ushering people into the kingdom of God. He's commending his Spirit into God's hand. Jesus is still being Jesus, even though he is in need of responding to the worst circumstances anybody could ever need to respond to. All right? Now, when the centurion saw that he had, what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the multitudes who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to re return. So they started to walk away or go back. And they were beating their breasts. So they were so deep in mourning. There's a word there, a Greek, uh, a Greek word that means they were so deep in mourning, like they were beating their breasts. They couldn't stand it. They were, they could, they were overwhelmed with the power and the awesomeness of God, and yet that God would allow this to happen. And all his acquaintances and the woman who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance seeing these things. So there are people who are just watching. They had been lamenting Jesus. Now they've seen all of this happen. We're going to read to the end of the chapter just so we 
have the historical, but we've seen everything we need pretty much for the sermon today. And behold, a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, he had not considered, he had not consented to their plan and action. So he was a member of the council, but he didn't vote, he didn't agree to it. A man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was waiting for the kingdom of God, this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. He took it down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a tomb, cut into the rock where no one had ever lain. And it was the preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. So that phrase right there, just a side little Bible lesson here, that phrase right there is the phrase that puts the doubt in the Lord's Supper that we celebrate actually being the Passover meal. According to what this is, this is the preparation of the Sabbath. The way that would work would be, this is the day they kill the lamb, so they don't have to do it for the festival, right? So that's where there's a little doubt as to whether it's actually a Lord's Supper observance I'm sorry, the Lord's Supper observance is actually a a, um, Passover meal. And it was the preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. And there was a law saying that no man could, no body could hang on the cross during the the Sabbath. And so it's convenient for them to take the body down. He's dead. Elsewhere in the other Gospels, we hear, run through with a spear. They came to break his legs, didn't need to because he was already dead. So they ran through with a spear to make sure because no one's going to risk that. Because if, if, he, if he comes down off the cross not dead, that Roman centurion's life is sacrificed. So they weren't going to risk that. That's all in the other Gospels. But here it says, now the woman who had come with him out of Galilee followed after. So Joseph has the body and he's taking it to put in the tomb. And the women are following after. And they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. So they went back. The body is laid before the Sabbath begins. They go back and prepare the spices and perfumes. But now the Sabbath is beginning. And it says, and on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. So they stopped. They didn't go out and try to prepare his body really for burial now. Instead, they're resting on the Sabbath. So we leave him in the tomb. Joseph is gone. And the ladies have not gone back out to the body yet at the end of chapter 23. Okay, so there's a couple things I want you to see in this passage, and I'm going to use a couple of terms I think the Lord really kind of laid on my heart, and, and some of it's abundantly simple. And the first thing is, we have to realize that different people's plights are different, even though they might be together. We could literally be standing right next to someone, and the problems they're facing, the life they're living, the situation they're in, could be completely different, way more dire, way more difficult, or, or way better, right? You could be standing next to somebody. I'm reminded of a friend of mine who said that, that they were part of a small church and the church was really struggling, and, um, and they struggled and struggled and struggled for a couple of decades, and they had people in the church, but it wasn't very big, and they were financially struggling, and then uh, one person passed away, and when they passed away, this is a person that never had much, they seemed very frugal, they were always struggling, getting by, whatever, when they passed away, they left a million dollars to the church. And everybody went, whoa, wait a minute. Because they were right next to that person all the while misjudging the plight of that person. That person was not living a frugal existence and not spending any money because they didn't have access to any money. They were not spending any money because they chose to not spend any money, right? So they were, they were living that frugal distance, uh, that few frugal existence, there's the words, even though they didn't have to. They didn't really have to. Right? They could have lived high on the hog, or they could have been donating tons of money or whatever, but it was when they passed away and they left all that to the church, the church found out. We didn't even know what their plight was. The fact is, even in this room right now, 
that you may look around and say, everybody in this room is comfortable and they're following Jesus and we're all trying to know more about Jesus. We're all listening to the sermon. And we're all studying and we're all reaching new heights of Jesus. But you don't actually know. There could be somebody here right now struggling with temptation. They're struggling with, they walked in the church today going, I don't know. And they're going to walk out of church today going, I don't know. Because they're in a plight, they're in a situation that's different from somebody else's and we don't know what they're going to do. Okay, So different people's plights are different regardless of what you may think. In this story, we see a number of people in different plights, right? Jesus is literally on the cross being crucified. So are the thieves. But how different is their plight from his plight? They were thieves. They literally deserved this crucifixion under Roman law. They were being put to death for what they did. Jesus, on the other hand, has said, I lay down my life. No man takes it from me. That's how stupid people have been over the years to think that the Romans or the Jewish people had some guilt in crucifying Jesus. If anything, they were literally acting out what Jesus had ordained would happen, which was he would lay down his life. Now, offenses may come, but woe to those through whom those offenses come. Right? So Judas needed to betray Jesus, or, or did he? But either way, someone was going to betray Jesus. Somebody was going to lead him to that point of crucifixion. But woe to him whom the offense comes through. Right? So we, we still have a responsibility for our response. And I'll get there in a second. Notice that there was Jesus and that there were the thieves. But there were others as well. Right? There's the Roman soldier. His plight is different than everybody else's. First of all, as far as he's concerned, while he's crucifying two thieves and some guy that everybody agreed would be crucified, Pilate gave the order and whatever, and probably these Roman soldiers are actually tent attached to the Jewish temple, so they're not literally part of the Roman uh, guard. They're probably attached to the temple, and they, were, they answered to the high priest. So they're carrying it out probably because it was considered a religious death. It had to do with faith matters, not legal matters. And so there were, instead of literally being the Roman centurions that were doing it, these are Roman soldiers that were attached to the temple, probably. But we don't really know that for sure. The point is, as they stand there, what vested interest do they really have? Basically, this is it. I've got to make sure that guy dies. If he doesn't die today... I die tomorrow. So I've got this much vested interest. I've got to make sure this goes right. That's it. I also have to make sure that a mob doesn't rush the cross and take him down because if he escapes, I die. Right? I have to make sure that he doesn't um, spew some secrets about the governor or something that they need to know or he doesn't talk to the mob and say, okay, go kill Pilate and get them start sedition and get them to go mob against Pilate or whatever. And so I have to make sure that that kind of, So he's keep, a keeper of the peace. The peace that is just problems are not happening, not actual peace. He probably doesn't have any peace, right? But it's, he's just a soldier sitting there. If you will, he's following orders, right? And actually, it, we see in one particular place that he's literally following orders. And I'll, and I'll get that in a second when we talk about responses, all right? So we have the Roman soldiers, and then we have Jesus' followers from before. They go, and they're lamenting, and, and they're lamenting Jesus' death. And he says, to the women at least, he says, no, 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 no. Don't mourn me. Weep for yourselves. Right? And so he actually, we see them responding, and he actually corrects the way they're responding. And they're lamenting Jesus and weeping for his death, and he tells them, no, no, don't do that. Do this instead. So by way of transition, that shows us that there are, response, there are responses to these plights. And because Jesus corrected the ladies and told them, don't respond to your plight this way, which was they were mourning the loss of Jesus, we also see that there are appropriate responses to the plights. 
There are appropriate responses and inappropriate responses. Don't do this, do that. So there must be both appropriate and inappropriate responses. You follow? Before I get there, and I'll talk about that in one second, I want you to see that the plights are unique and different for everybody. The last one that was a list there was, and you could say Jesus' followers probably felt this way. There were people in the crowd that probably felt this way. There were people there who basically felt powerless. They didn't think they had any choices at this moment in time. All they could do is stand by and be witnesses to the tragedies that were taking place. Either they thought it was a tragedy or they didn't, but either way, they felt powerless. This is being done by the government. This is being done by people with swords. This is being done by people with influence. This is being done by people who know better than I do, etc. And they felt powerless. These plights are all uniquely different, but you'll notice that we also see that they can be grouped. Where did I see that in the text? Because Jesus said, if they'll do this in a green day, what will they do in a dry? Right? So there are different kinds of plights. Even though each plight is uniquely different, at least two groupings of plights that we can see in this very text is one is a green day, one grouping, and one is a dry day. And we could probably go down this list and we could say, who's got the green day, who's got the dry day on this list? So we say, those who feel powerless, green day or dry day? Well, that's a dry day, right? That's a bad day. That's the kind of day where we would think that's horrible, right? Um, how about those who are mourning the loss of Jesus? Green day? Dry day? Well, we would judge it as a dry day. We would say, well, that must be a dry day because they're, they're Savior, the person they've been following, they've been listening to, everything like that. They, he's being crucified, so to that, that would be, seem like a dry day, right? The soldiers, Pilate, the Jewish leaders, we would say, well, on the surface, maybe it seems like a dry day, but what does Jesus say? He says, if we'll do this in a green day, imagine what they'll do in a dry day. So that means, for them at least, it's actually a green day. And I submit to you, what Jesus was actually saying was, this day, the day on which we live, is a green day. It's a good day, it's a powerful day, it's a day for use, a day for worship, a day for God, a day for the kingdom to advance. Right? This day is a green day. And yet, so many people were thinking it was a dry day. Jesus even says to the ladies, right? Don't lament for me now. Rather, mourn for yourself. Because the day is coming, which will be a dry day. Right? So this is what people do all the time. They look at their plight, what they're actually facing, and they say, oh man, this is horrible. And because it's horrible... They feel justified in a response that is, let me just say this, horrible, right? It's, they think, well, I'll just blend in. Everybody's being an idiot. I'll be an idiot. Or this thing is not working. It's broken. It's messing with my head, whatever. And so I'll do something stupid. Or this time is not enough. I'm rushing. I'm really hurrying. And, and they whip out of their driveway at 90 mile an hour backwards and run some kid over. Or people do stupid things because they have misjudged their plight. And by way of a, trans, a transition then, we see that plights are different, but we also see that Jesus groups the plights, and we also see that Jesus would actually say, while you have freedom, while you have the capability of choosing, while you are still essentially 
either a Christian putting Jesus in charge of your life, or while you have the authority to make those decisions yourself, which God has essentially bestowed upon people, and I get it, some people are trapped in sin, they're trapped in temptation, they're trapped by the enemy, they're tricked by the enemy, they're deceived, whatever. But even if you're deceived by the enemy, that's still pretty much a green day. You're just too stupid to realize you don't have to be deceived by the enemy. right? Your eyes are blinded, whatever. But the moment you turn to Jesus, there is light enough to see. So you could say, I'm done with all of that, and, and immediately turn to Jesus, and the day would go back to being, you think, a terrible day where you can do terrible things now, and it would go back to being a green day. All these days are green days. Why do you think Jesus, who prophesied about a dry day, uses the prophecy of Revelation where the people are crying out, mountains fall upon us? Because this is actually a green day. This is the opportunity to do what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And we're lumping our days, our difficulties, our trials all together and saying they're so terrible and so horrible or so bad that we can be justified in doing it. The next time you get frustrated, the next time you get angry, the next time you get mad about something that's happening and you go, well, that's just not right. And, and you feel those emotional responses. You ask yourself, okay, really truthfully living in a free country, able to worship as I please, give as I please, serve as I please, basically healthy, all things I'm able to do. Really, truly, do I have anything to be upset about right now? When my kid's back talking to me and I, that caught me completely off guard. When my job falls out from underneath me and that caught me completely off guard. Really? Because you can get a job. You can get another job. And you say, well, right now maybe you can't. But the truth is, you actually can. There's so many people hiring that there's the people that are filing for unemployment, most of them could probably get jobs. But it would take more time than it would take to get the unemployment. And I'm not saying people shouldn't file for unemployment. What I'm saying is we li we're living in a green day. The opportunities, we talk about loving people as Christians. We're supposed to love people, right? There's more opportunity to love people because there are people that are afraid. There are people that are sick. There are people that are hurting, people who don't know Jesus. We already had that, right? And while we already had all of those things, they're more abundant now and more obvious now. And you can be loving people. You can be serving people. You can be reaching out with the gospel more now. And maybe even one might argue because people are thinking their day is a dark day, their day is difficult. One might argue that they need light more now than ever. So we live in a green day. This is a great day. It's a horrible day because people are dying. And I get that. I'm not belittling that. I understand there's a lot of suffering too. But be aware, Jesus was suffering. He was literally hanging on the cross. And so when things go badly, and when you start to think that this is a difficult time, when you start to get your craw up and you're going to do something angry or, or even foolish because that seems to be what's appropriate, first realize that while these plights are like this, as we've been talking about, they can be categorized and we can get a basic idea of what kind of plight this is. And, and everybody's got a different plight. So you might think somebody's doing something really stupid or they're trying to hurt you or whatever, when really they're just responding to their personal plight, what they're going through. And you need to realize that people are not our enemies. And that's part of why, because you don't know, you just don't know. All right. So we ought not be judging people who are making decisions differently than we are, because you just don't know. All right. So that's the, the truth about plights that we see in this passage. But the truth about plights also is that there is a response. There is a, almost a demanded response, an appropriate response. First, let's look just very quickly and briefly at the responses that we see. All right? So we see a response of uh, basically deriding, or if you look at verse 35, and the New American Standard says, sneering. And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him. Sneering. Okay? Or deriding. 
By the tone of their voice, their facial expressions, and what they were saying, they were making him small. That's what they were doing. In fact, it even goes on to tell us how they were doing it. They were saying, he saved others, let him save himself if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And this is what we do. We look at what went on that was good. We look at what whoever did that was good. It says, he saved others. Straight statement. He saved others. Right? They don't deny, we're not going to get into it, but they don't deny that he raised Lazarus, made the leper clean, healed the blind, got a guy up walking. They, they, they're not denying that in this statement. Say, so he saved others. Let him save himself if this is the Christ of God, his chosen When They sneer at him. Right? That's one response. In a green day, while they're doing, and it is the, uh, the rulers who are doing that, while they are fulfilling the destiny of Jesus to die on the cross, and they're angry with Jesus for being the kind of guy that he is, and because he spoke against their teachings, and he called them hypocrites, and he said, woe, is, woe unto you Pharisees, woe unto you scribes, right? He corrected their path, and they wouldn't take it, and he did it in an adversarial way, let's not kid ourselves, and now they're crucifying him, and they sneer at him. I mean, he's dying anyway. Most soldiers kill somebody in battle, and they don't stand over them and degrade them afterwards and yell at them. You're too stupid. You're stupid for being a soldier for your country. Right? And they're sneering at Jesus. That's their chosen response. Okay? Then you go just a little bit further in verse 36 and we see the soldiers who were there who were probably basically following orders mocked him coming up to him offering sour wine and saying if you are the king of the Jews save yourself. So they mock him. They make him out to be uh, trivial. They trifle with him. They're playing games with him. That's what they're doing. We know their situation already. They're basically following orders. You notice that there were those who just followed orders there, and it's not in the crucifying him that we know that they were just following orders. We weren't there when they got that order. But if you notice, it says, if you are, the, right after that, it says, now there was also an inscription above him, this is the king of the Jews. So they put a sign up over top of Jesus that said, this is the king of the Jews. Now, the Jewish leaders will go to Pilate and say, well, please, put, he said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, no, what I have written, I have written. So who wrote the sign? Pilate did, or at least he ordered it to be written, right? And he chose the words that were on it, which means those Roman soldiers who were standing there crucifying him had posted that sign there. Pilate certainly didn't go out there and put it up there himself, right? They posted a sign above him, this is the king of the Jews. So they were following orders for sure in that because the sign was placed. We also see a response of the thief on the cross who was um, hurtling abuse the New American Standard says, at Jesus. So as he's being crucified on the cross for his crimes and Jesus is being crucified next to him, he's hurtling abuse at Jesus. That's the response that he chooses. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked not Jesus, but the first thief. He rebuked him. So he spoke up essentially for Jesus. And he, and he says, hey, you have to stop. Right? And, and he asked this question, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? You know what that's called? Evangelism. <laughs> that's what it is. 
you're dealing with somebody that does not believe in Jesus, Jesus did not come to condemn, but people are condemned already by what they have done with the Son of God. So we're all, we were all, and if you've accepted Jesus, you've escaped it, but otherwise we were all under the same condemnation. And people ought to fear God because they are under the same condemnation, but they don't. And we ought to be asking them to. And he rebukes the mocker, if you will. And then there were those who just watched, and amongst those who watched, that was their only response, they just watched. Some were curious, they wanted to see what was going to happen. Some felt powerless, they didn't think there was anything they could do. Some were vindicated, they thought, yeah, if we're killing him, we're winning, right? And some, it was their job, they just thought that's what they were supposed to do. So different responses here in this passage of Scripture Show us what? Do any of these responses by any of these people in this passage of Scripture show us who Jesus was? When the Roman soldier says, well, surely this man was innocent, that's his response to the way Jesus died. Does that really show us that Jesus is innocent? What does it really show us? It really shows us that the Roman soldier observed the way Jesus died and all the things that happened, and the Roman soldier began to think that, he was, that Jesus was innocent. That's what it really shows us, right? When someone says something about somebody else, it doesn't really tell you anything about the other person because you don't know whether it's true or not. It really tells you something about the person who told you. It, it, it tells you that they believe it's true if you think they're not a liar, right? So the Roman soldier, when he responded that way, tells us something about him. And we can go right through this list and every single one, all of these responses, who do they tell us something about? When they mock Jesus and say he saved others, does that tell us that Jesus saved others? No, that's not actually what tells us that Jesus saved others. What tells us that Jesus saved others is all the stories of the New Testament, right? What that actually says is the person who said that thinks that Jesus saved others or that they're using that as part of their argument to say that Jesus should be able to save himself, right? So every one of these responses speaks not about Jesus, really, as much as it speaks about the person who's doing the responding. But we can see that they become the plight that Jesus then has to respond to, right? So follow me now. This will take your thinking caps for one second. Get your thinking caps on. If you're snoozing, Miss Nikki, wake up. Here we go right now, okay? All right. So when people respond to the circumstances that are going on, they become part of the plight of each other. Understand? So when RJ responds to something that's going on in his life, he becomes part of my plight. I now have to deal with whatever he just chose to do as part of what I'm going through. That's the nature of relationships. When Arden decides to respond to his situation a certain way, he's having trouble with his girlfriend or he's having trouble in school or something like that, and he decides to stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning fretting about it or or talking about it on the phone, or playing video games so as not to think about it, or whatever, I have to deal with that. That becomes part of my plight. What people do as a response to the plight that they are in actually is not the gets translated from being a response to now being the plight of everyone else. Right? And look how Jesus responds. Because that is how we're supposed to respond, isn't it? We're supposed to be Christians. We're supposed to be followers of God. The word Christian means little Christ. So we should respond 
to the plight, which includes all the responses of everyone else, as Jesus did. And now, you want to say simply, or we want to say simply, that then we ought to pray for others, we ought to lead them to salvation, and we ought to forgive, and we ought to commend our hands in the Spirit of the Lord, right? And I'm with you, that's basically true, but that's not where I think the text is teaching us today, right? If you didn't already know that as a Christian you're supposed to pray to God, you're supposed to trust God for your salvation, you're supposed to forgive others, remember the Lord's Prayer, uh, Lord, we forgive us as we forgive others' trans- trespasses, and at the end of that Jesus said, because if you can't forgive others, you can't be forgiven. So if you didn't already know those three things, um, and, th- and that you're essentially supposed to love others as a Christian, then you miss something along the way in Christian 101. In the basics of Christianity, you became a Christian without the fundamental understanding of what Christianity was. And and so now, right now, in this moment, go back and embrace that truth. You have to trust God with your eternal life beginning today in order to be saved. That's how you escape the condemnation. That's how that thief did it. You don't do it through baptism. You don't do it through public profession of your faith, although... That's pretty important because Jesus said, if you won't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father in heaven. So there is a snag there. Once you get saved, you've got to go and tell. But the point is, these basic things are what is fundamental to being a Christian. So what am I talking about as Jesus' response? Well, Brother Tony said it in his prayer earlier today. Anybody remember what he said? Let us be who we are. Jesus was being Jesus on the cross. Uh, Now, when you think about the soldiers that were there, do you think any of those soldiers ever put a sign over anybody's head before that said, the king of the Jews? I doubt it. Pretty much, this is the only time that ever happened. Do you think that any of them ever said, as one of their people that they crucified died, they ever walked away and said, I think he was probably innocent? See, they were transformed by their plight. They were changed by their plight. Their responses were where that was catalyzed. Again, thinking caps on. Wake up, pay attention here. Okay, so the plight exists. You always have one. You can't get away from it. Your situation, your, what's around you, what's going on, that's your plight. You always have one. Then you respond. And the moment at which you respond, that catalyzes your plight as affecting you. This is, this is so true that if something happened in this room right now, and I just completely don't care. I mean, I already didn't care, and then it happens, and I don't care, and I don't respond to it in any way, shape, or form. Then guess what changed in my plight? Nothing. Nothing changed. I didn't care before, I don't care now, and I'm still not caring, I'm not going to care. Now, if a week from now somebody brings that thing up and they make a really big deal out of it and they start hissing and moaning and whatever and I have to deal with it, then that has affected my plight and now I have to deal with it. Even though it's related back to this event, I might say, man, I wish that event had never happened. But the truth is, that event didn't affect me at all. What affected me was when somebody made a big deal out of it. This is the nature of gossip and slander as a sin. When someone gossips to you and they tell you what someone else said or what somebody else did, that doesn't make it gossip. If Jenny comes to me and says, hey, uh, what, one of my, my teachers said, did this, blah, 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 in the class, whatever, that, that doesn't make it gossip. It becomes gossip when I respond. See, I catalyze the plight and make it part of the circumstances that I now have to respond to. I take it in. I make it solid. And I go, okay, well, now I've got to deal with my son, Aaron, who's her teacher, and he said this in class, and now I've got to deal with that. But actually... I wasn't there. I didn't see it. It wasn't meant to be part of my plight. 
You follow? That wasn't meant to be part of my difficulty. But now it is, because someone came and told me about it. It's gossip. And then it catalyzed when I became a response, which, by the way, the Bible says is a sin. So then I respond, and that response then affects who I am. It changes my character. I, like, I run role-playing games. We play role-playing games on a regular basis. And, and you have a character sheet in role-playing games. And when something happens in the role-playing game, and let's say you say, my character really likes chocolate. And from now on, my character is really going to like chocolate. I'm always going to play my character as really liking chocolate. Then you write that on your character sheet. You catalyze it. You sink it in. Now, a month later, if you're playing your character and you say, well, my character doesn't like chocolate, well, you're contradicting what's on your character sheet. You've changed what happened there, and you can't do that. You're affecting the story. And you can say, my character has now decided that he doesn't like chocolate. But there better be a plight, there better be a situation or something, or it just doesn't make sense. This is how the universe works. We all live in our plights. We all respond to our plights. Our responses affect other people and become their plights. This is the nature of it. It's the negative side of what the church fellowship does that lifts us all up to be more like Jesus. This is the negative side, the plight and the responses. And Jesus handled this beautifully as our example as he's being crucified what's his plight nobody's truly believing in him nobody's supporting him they're literally killing him he's bleeding out suffocating has to push his bare back up against the wood to be able to exhale so he can take another breath of air and he'll eventually die because no man can continue to rip his back open against a rough wood surface that's already Flayed back open to be able to take that breath and he'll suffocate. And if he doesn't suffocate, they would break his legs with a wooden rod so he can no longer push his back up and cause himself that pain and try to survive. And when you're on the cross, you can't not do it until you can't do it. You just have to keep trying to push yourself up because there is an instinct in you to breathe. And so pushing yourself up becomes part of exhaling. And down you go and you're constantly grinding your back on the cross. That's his plate. It's horrible. He's got the most horrible plate so much so that they invented a word which is excruciating, which we say when we stub our toe, but the truth is that doesn't begin to compare. That word is only for pain of the cross. And so he is enduring the pain of the cross. And as he is enduring the pain of the cross, you know what he does? He bees Jesus. Where are the adjustments? Where are the adjustments? What adjustments does Jesus have to make in, or, in who he is? He doesn't. Because he only does what he sees God doing. He is the God the Son, the living Christ, and he just does what he knows he's supposed to do. Now, in order to be able to do that, you have to back up the story a little bit before crucifixion, don't you? You have to back up the story and, and arrive at a life trusting God. Arrive at a life following God. Arrive at a life being the person that you're supposed to be. I watched a movie this week about that very thing. It's called Greater. It's on Netflix for free if you want to watch it. Highly recommend it. It's a football movie. It's a good one, too. Really good movie. And it's a true story. Completely true, they say. I don't, I don't know the person, so it's based on a true story. It's called Greater. Highly, highly recommend it. It's about a, a young man who does all the right things. A Christian. Follower of the Lord. And he becomes who he is. The movie begins... So I'm not wasting anything because it's the very beginning of the movie. They're mourning his death. We're all going to die. 
Some of the greatest atheists of all time, you know how they died? Gritting their, grinding their teeth until their fillings pop out. Their necks so tight, their upper body muscles so tight, so angry, so mad, so clutching, grasping onto life, refusing to die. Is that the way we're going to go out? How are you going to respond when you actually reach a real plight that you can't overcome? There really is a dry day. Now, the kind of adjustments that people are being called to make in this day, many of them actually are part of who we are, and that's why we're doing them. Brother Tony said he had never used hand sanitizer before a couple of weeks ago. Truth is, right now, in the middle of COVID-19, you don't have to use hand sanitizer. You can wash your hands. There was an elderly gentleman, uh, I think he was like 83 or something, and they asked him, they, a friend of mine um, who's a pastor in Mississippi, asked him and said, you know, what's your secret to long life? Because he's in his early 80s and he's strong as an ox and still going strong, doing all kinds of things. So what's your secret to long life? And he says, I wash my hands 20 to 30 times a day and my face 10 to 15 times a day. That's his secret to long life. Should have been doing that all along. The fact that we all have to rush to wash our hands, sanitize our hands, and be respectful of other people with germs and like that. The fact that it seems like it's so much of an adjustment. A lot of that, it seems like it's so much of an adjustment because we weren't doing what we should have been doing in the first place. Now, we've amped it up. I've been asked to amp it up by our government to make it a little bit more extreme than what it was previously. And some people wash their hands in the middle of the day for the first time ever. But that's not Brother Tony. Brother Tony's washed his hands quite often. And so have I. The point is, sometimes the adjustments that you have to make to try to feel like you're you in the middle of the plight or the difficult time, you should have already set them up. You should have already made them previously. Listen, if you're not reading your Bible every day now in the middle of the COVID-19 situation, What's it going to take to get you to read your Bible every day for crying out loud? If you're not praying and talking to God literally all day long, are you going to suddenly start when and if you get a diagnosis? If you're not giving, serving, and loving other people, if you're not sitting at home fantasizing about more ways to be godly to other people, if you're not doing that, when's it going to start? Does God have to give you a really green day, like you got to win the lottery and you $40 million in the bank, and then I'll start loving other people? It ain't going to happen. If you're not doing it now, when that happens, you're not going to start loving other people. Does God have to give you a really horrible day? You got a diagnosis, you're going to live 48 hours, so I'm, for that last 48 hours, I'm going to start loving other people? It ain't going to happen. You'll make adjustments, but you won't make the kind of adjustments that will bring you to where you're supposed to be at because we're already supposed to be making those adjustments. Before the COVID-19 scare began, it was everybody's common knowledge that there was a pandemic coming. This is literally not even a surprise. If you don't believe me, click on Netflix and watch a video called Pandemic, which came out several years ago. Go back and look at all the literature and stuff that came out of the, of the swine flu issue which took place in 2009, 2010. Everybody has known that a pandemic was coming. Everybody that cared, that was looking. It's always been coming, which guess what that means? When this one's over, another one coming. 
We will have another pandemic every however often God allows it until Jesus comes again. It's not going to stop. The world is old, sighing, it's groaning for redemption. There's a thousand times more tornadoes every year now than there was 20 years ago. A thousand times. Earthquakes, floods, wars, terrorist attacks. It isn't going to stop. Why? Because much of that is a response. And that response to the plight of creation, where you're talking about flood, earthquake, all that, creation, like us, has a plight. And its response is in keeping with its creation. It, we have earthquakes because the earthquake is groaning. Wants to be redeemed. Not going to happen. Not until Jesus comes again. People are responding. The thief is stealing because he wants. Anybody here want anything? Sure, we all want something, right? That's a common part of our plight. But he has determined that his want is so severe and part of his plight that his response is, I'm going to take it even though it's not mine. The adjustments that we need to make, we should have been making, should still make, and should make going forward. We need to be who God has made us to be. Leviticus 18, 4 and 5. won't go there and read it for the interest of time. But you can read it. It was our memory verses from a couple months back. Basically, God says, you will follow my commands. Because if you follow my commands, these are the things by which a man may live. Do what God wants you to do. I mean, is it, is it that confusing? This is about Jesus' character, isn't it? It's not about the situation. I brought a couple of items up here. This is my closing object lesson. I brought a couple of items from home. In particular, these are the two that I want to show you. You know what this is. And you know what this is. You know what this is? It's a rubber mallet. Made of rubber. I think you use it for like palm knotted dent and things like that, right? Somebody know what this is used for? Anyway, it's a rubber mallet. I've had it for a really long time. I've used it a couple times, not very much. This is a hatchet. It's got a nice hammer on the back for, I suppose that's probably for driving in a wedge or you could pound in a nail or something with it. But, but that part won't split wood, but this part will mostly. It's not very sharp right now. See how these have different character? Anybody want to cut a tree down with this? I don't want to cut a tree down with this, did you? <laughs> Maybe a branch, okay? Anybody want to cut a branch down with this? How about if we decided right now to split this piece of wood? Could we get anybody in this room to try to split this piece of wood with this hammer? And don't stop until it's done. If you're strong enough, you probably could. Uh, uh, I doubt it, because I think this would break first. Yeah, that's up here. It's a wooden handle. That might break first. Yeah. But then when it broke, maybe you'd get like, and then you could kind of gouge it for about a decade. You know? <laughs> the point is, I don't think this is going to work. But this, even though it's a little dull, and needs sharpened, you could do it, couldn't you? Why? Is it because this wood is so strong? The wood is strong, but it's not that strong, right? Because imagine if this were steel. Right? If this were steel, would you want to try to cut it with this? No. No. Not even possible. I mean, maybe somehow, some way, over a decade or something, you could take this in a store and use it to rob the store and get a steel saw. <laughs> That's about your best chance of cutting this. Right? The point is, 
It's about the character of the items involved. And that's what was going on at the cross. And that's what's going on in the world right now. Your responses are about your character. And they catalyze your character. So much so, Jesus said, it is not that which goes into a man which makes him unclean, which means not useful to God, but that which comes out of his mouth which makes him unclean, not useful to God. When you say it, you've responded to it. When you respond to it, you catalyze it. Anybody here use social media? Have you ever seen anybody post anything on social media that you disagreed with? Have you ever posted a response? You know what you did when you posted a response? You posted what they posted to your wall. So now everybody can see what they posted that you disagree with. Wasn't very smart, was it? Next time somebody posts something and you feel like you have to reply, don't post on their post. PM them. And in the PM, put this confidential between you and me. If they choose to ignore that, fine. But when you respond to someone else's post on social media, it appears in your posts. Now, your post appears too. But this is what people are doing. People are so busy adjusting and responding to their plight and wanting everybody to see that their adjustments, that they're broadcasting their plight and they're making their plight everyone else's plight. You don't need to do that. Don't take the things that happen to you and make them everybody else's burdens. Now, obviously, we work together and we carry each other's burdens too, but it says we carry each other's burdens, but it also says each man carries his own burden. So if you can deal with what you're going through, then deal with it. And if you can get, if you need help to deal with it, then get help. Definitely, right? We cut out Simon the Cyrene, but Jesus had help carrying a cross. It's about your character. And your character is catalyzed when you respond to your situation. So if a, if a guy comes up and tries to mug you, and you don't want to give him your wallet, so you try to talk him out of it, and it turns into an argument, and you wind up cussing him out, and he steals your money. He sinned against you because he stole your money, and you sinned against him because you cussed him out. Which one of those two things would send a person to hell? Well, both. I'm not saying how you should respond. That's not my job. Your plight is your plight. You respond according to how God would want you to be. What is your character? Are you righteous in your Christ? Then you respond to everything righteous. And you say, well, I can't respond to everything righteous. Anything you don't, you repent and ask Jesus to forgive you and, and move on. Let him cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Right? This is about character. And on the cross, the worst of times, in what for Jesus, on the surface, definitely had to look like a dry day. And we know it wasn't. Because he laid that he willingly laid down his own life, which I would submit to you, he did in a green day. He would willingly lay down his own life. But at the worst of it, he remained Jesus. But when we start, when we get at the worst of it, and we get all angry, we're breaking stuff and throwing stuff around, right? Yesterday I was digging a hole in my backyard, and I got mad because my, I started getting sore and digging, and I threw, I went, stick the shovel in the ground hard, right? I wasn't breaking the shovel, I wasn't banging, I wasn't swinging around, or whatever, but it was obviously done in anger. I went to stick the shovel in the ground hard. And when I did, it got caught on the clothesline, which was up here, and I had been staying away from it. It got caught on the clothesline, and when it got caught on the clothesline, it bounced the shovel, and the shovel hit me in the side of the head. And I could have reacted to that too, you know what I'm saying? That could have made me really mad. But instead what I did was, that was dumb. I'm reacting to my situation. I'm responding in a way that is not even me. It's not godly. It's not Christ-like. It's not anything that I want to be. And then I catalyze that as part of my character. So who am I? Let's be really realistic. Who am I? I'm a guy that needs help from God to not respond in anger to things that I face. 
And sometimes, at least as of yesterday, sometimes, I don't accept that help. I just respond in anger anyway. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that character. I don't want that to be my character. I want my character to be, I'm a guy who follows God and does whatever God wants me to do in the, in the, the difficult times and that I think are difficult and the times that I think are easy. I want it to be like that. So I, I use these as an illustration about us wanting to be, you know, if you're going up against wood, you want to be this guy, not this guy. But also, I want you to think about your situation in the form of plates, whatever like that, and we have uh, the plate comes and it's difficult. And if you think about the character being how you're going to respond to the plate, when it gets difficult, and say, if this is your plate, which one do you want to be? I'd still rather be this one, I think, right? But I can see that, you know, probably either one could survive. This one's got a handle. This one looks nicer, it's newer, whatever. Keep your coffee in it. I guess I normally would like to be this one over this one. How old, used up. In fact, Jerry already threw this one away once, and I get it back out of the garbage. <laughs> All right? So I guess I'd rather be this one. But when I come up against this, I think I'd rather be this one. Right? Okay? And then if it was this, which one do you want to be? Well, you definitely rather, if you, if you this one's going to break. It's going to, it's going to shatter. It's going to be really ugly. What happens to that one if this comes down? So remember, while you're catalyzing your character by your responses to your perceived plight, you are creating your future character. So if this comes, and I go, hey, I can handle this. I'm good. But I, you know, do some things I shouldn't do. I take my excess and I waste. I, I recreate a little too much. I, maybe I get tempted to look at things I shouldn't look at, whatever. I, I'm lazy. I don't read my Bible. A little sleep, a little slumber, that kind of thing, you know. Start to come upon that. Then when this day comes, because of the character that I have created for myself, I now do not feel very comfortable. Because I really believe that if this day comes, this, this will not hold up. So make some adjustments. But don't make some adjustments in response to the day that you're living in, thinking, okay, I've got you know, to do this or otherwise I could suffer. Or I've got to do this or otherwise someone could suffer. Make the adjustments because they are the person you want to be. The character you need to have. Otherwise, a year from now or five years when something really bad comes, you're going to be crying out, Lord, just drop a mountain on me. I just can't handle this. My character is not sufficient to deal with this situation. And that sounds something like this. Or you can make the adjustments. You can exercise your spiritual disciplines. You can draw close to God and he'll draw close to you. Even in the middle of a pandemic, Let me pray for you. Father God, we know that you love us. That is evidence is testified to by the way molecules work, the way stars gleam, the way planets rotate, the way breezes blow, the way trees flutter in the wind. 
the way you care for even the sparrows, and if you care for the sparrows and they're all taken care of, then what cares have we? And at the same time, we live in a temporal existence. We are checking off the moments of the day until it's time to clock out, time to go to bed, time to make dinner, time to eat. We are looking at the things that we are facing daily, and we are, we are considering them all in our calculations of what we should do next. And I'm here to say, I, I feel, in myself anyway, that living like that is a waste of time. Because I really believe the moments that we have been given, and maybe they are only moments, Maybe we are near to our own death. Maybe we are near to a greater darkness or a greater struggle, a greater difficulty of plight which will crush us because we've not prepared ourselves. And so the moments that we've been given, they are for preparing ourselves. They are for drawing near to you. They are for exercising spiritual disciplines, praying, Bible, worshiping, serving, loving others, giving, meditating, journaling, taking the Bible in a, in a variety of ways. That's what these moments are for. Even in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. A month ago, I was struggling to find time to read my Bible. Struggling to find time to prioritize it. And often asking you for forgiveness. Often asking you to strengthen me and to better my schedule and so on. Now I'm working more hours to serve people, to love people, to run the light station and deliver groceries and pick up groceries than I was before. But I haven't had any trouble finding time to read my Bible. <laughs> we could... We could scoff, we could laugh, we could say, that doesn't really make any sense. But we could also say that sometimes it's only when you realize how dark things are getting that you start thinking about how much light you really need. But that's a risky way to live. Lord, help us learn to make the necessary adjustments to grow, to be renewed in our mind, to become a little bit more like Jesus every day, to reach new heights. Build in us the character that you want for us. So that when the real problems come, and I'm not belittling COVID-19 or any of the struggles people want you to know that there's a lot of people who have real struggles. But I, for one, and I think there are others in this room who could say, we have not prepared ourselves. We never thought that this day would come. Even though your word predicts it, and much worse. Even though science has predicted it, and even though we know the growings of creation, and lots of folks have died in car accidents, and gun violence, and floods, and earthquakes, and wars, and terrorist activities, and diseases that hit other places that were 
500 American children that died to a measles outbreak last year because it didn't impact us directly. We don't think we didn't think much about it, but those are 500 families or how many ever families, four to 600 families, that are immediately touched. God help us be who we're supposed to be, reaching new heights in Jesus every day. Some church that's in California or that's in Illinois that has as their theme just service, just helping other people, always just helping other people, and it doesn't matter if anybody grows, and everybody can still be baby Christians or whatever. Lord, if that's the church they live in, then help them serve. Do whatever it is you want to do amongst them. But we have said as a body that we know that you would have each of us grow, that we ought to reach new heights in Jesus every day. And so we pray for that, Lord. And if it takes a COVID-19 pandemic to advance your kingdom or to win souls or to wake people up or lead people to repentance or to help people to think about how one day the government may have some really reasonable explanation for why we're not even allowed to preach the gospel anymore, Lord, help us prepare. Help us make the adjustments today that are necessary for when that day comes, we're ready. Think about the scramble of churches to be able to stream their services online. And everybody going, well, what, what platform are we going to use? And this, and, and there was email after email after email and, and video conferencing call. And everybody's talking about all this, so how are we going to get this done? And really, it's not that complicated. The point at which you're scrambling to be ready to do what you should have been done anyway, there really is only one action point, and that is to repent, to turn to you. Lord, we ask for your help today. For our world, our nation, we pray for Donald Trump, we pray for Governor DeWine, we pray for the National Guard soldiers who are building hospitals now in Ohio, and there are a lot of other folks who are on the front lines and have to make difficult decisions. But we have to make difficult decisions too. We have to decide how we could, if we should, continue to worship. Our people who have decided that they are not going to be here to worship have decided have to figure out how they're going to worship at home. And the whole body has to figure out how they're going to serve, how they're going to love, and how they're going to continue to live. But I know the answer to that last one. Your word tells us to follow your commands. These are the things by which a man may live. And we just pray, Lord, that that truth would finally come home. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This, uh, this concludes our services here today. For those of you who are online, um, we do have the crosswalk next Saturday. And there is a, a, a big opportunity to serve this week with deliveries. I think there's about 25 to 30 deliveries of groceries to folks who either can't get out, they're in quarantine, or they're... Um, they're uh, afraid to get out, or they're over, they're very susceptible, or whatever like that. And so there's a big opportunity to do that, um, serve in that capacity, and then. Thank you for listening to this podcast from New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church at East Toledo. Uh, New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church. It was planted by the Southern Baptist Convention, the North American Mission Board. Uh, constituted roughly four years ago in May. In fact, we'll be hitting our four-year anniversary coming up here in May in 2020. And so 
we are grateful to be here serving in Toledo, making every effort we possibly can to love our neighbors and, um, and to support one another as we attempt to advance the kingdom of God. If you'd like to partner with New Heights in some way, you can text P-A-R-T-N-E-R to 419-419-0095 and um, let us know how you'd like to partner. We'll reach out to you uh, shortly after you text in to join that group. If you'd like to give, you can text G-I-V-E to 419-419-0095 and get your credit card or debit card set up to give um, to New Heights and you can designate it as tithes and offerings or um, to a specific ministry if you prefer. And if you'd like to know more about New Heights, you can visit us at churchtoledo.com. You can listen to other podcasts on Podcast Garden forward slash podcast forward slash NHF or on anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts, iTunes or by Google Podcasts or whatever method. So we're grateful that you've dialed in today and we hope you'll do it again. And God bless you right where you are. Reach new heights in Jesus and don't let anything stop you.